master of ambient space music, Paul Abdurinos, is on the show today to talk about his new album, Gnosis, and the brand new podcast report featuring an interview with audio syncrasies, Jamie Osborne. Escapes number 14 for Wednesday, September 13th, 2006. I'm Pete Habe kicking off the show with a track from a group called Sadia. This is Mystic Voices. Mystic Voices on Escapes. I hope I pronounced that right. That's from the Podsafe Music Network. Some great tracks available from them, so be sure to check it out at music.podshow.com. And for more from Sadia, visit mp3.com.au forward slash Sadia. That's S-A-T-Y-A. 
right, time to reveal the top 10 tracks for the past 30 days. These tracks received the most thumbs up by our listeners from August 13th to September 12th, 2006 on Mystic Soundscapes Internet Radio. In at number 10, Gail Ravilla with the track Legions from her Pharaohs 3 CD. Patrick Bernard comes in at number 9 with the title track from Atlantis Angelus. Number 8, Psycho Dreamix featuring Priscilla Hernandez with Morning Light from As Dark Passion. Jeff Johnson and Brian Dunning hit number 7 with the title track from their Byzantium CD. In at number 6, from the CD Fantasies, it's Pavane by Danny Wright. From the Sacred Sight CD, Michael Stern's Twin Flame hits number 5. Number 4, Spencer Brewer with Tomorrow's Child from the CD Portrait. Lorena McKennett's Marco Polo comes in at number three. That's from her Book of Secrets CD. Number two, Neil Jacobs with Desert Trek from World Blue. And in at number one this time around, it's Gary Strauss's Will Clipman and William Eden with Stars Over Sedona from the CD Quiet Fire. Those are our top ten tracks. Be sure to give your thumbs up or thumbs down to the tracks you hear on Mystic Soundscapes or drop us a line at 206-600-6282 and let us know what you think of the music. Also, remember to check our website every Monday when we post the top five tracks of the week on mysticsoundscapes.com. He's a classically trained composer and studio owner whose music is broadcast all over the world. He's worked with such diverse artists as Jewel, Richie Havens, Run DMC, and the Celtic Tenors. With five Grammy nominations, he's one of the giants of ambient and space music. Paul Avgerinos is with us today. Welcome to the show, Paul. Well, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you, Pete. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, now, you've been in the music business for, for many, many years. What was your first experience with music, and how did you decide this was going to be your passion in your career? My first experience? Well, now I have to test the memory banks there. Uh, well, I would say that my experience of the orchestral world really grabbed my heart and soul. I remember listening to a, a vinyl recording of, I think it was Tchaikovsky, on the floor of our uh, living room when I was a small child, and uh, I was completely captivated by the orchestral textures and the power and the energy of it all. So that was definitely a formative moment. Now you've got a lot of classical training, obviously. You want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, sure. Well, I was fortunate to uh, win a full scholarship to the Peabody Conservatory in Baltimore, and I went there playing double bass, bass violin. That was really formative and eye-opening. You know, the, the level of skill and the sophistication of the composition and all that is just a great training ground for a young musical mind. Now, you played uh, also uh, bass for, for different bands, is that correct? That's right. And, you know, at Peabody, when I was there, Michael Hedges was there studying guitar, and uh, we used to pass each other going in and out of the electronic music lab. He, he liked to play around in there as I did too. <laughs> and it's funny, I had no idea what he was up to on the side with his guitar work. <laughs> and I bet that was a wonderful experience for you, Tim. And you've got so much, uh, a rich and varied uh, history with, with your career in music. Are, are there any moments that really have stood out for you over the years? Well, playing, playing with the orchestra in uh, in China, in Hong Kong, and uh, in Baltimore. It's uh, really a great experience. And uh, being able to produce these albums that I've been working on in my own studio has really meant a lot to me over the years. And uh, being able to share them with the world is, is very gratifying. It brings me a lot of joy. Now, speaking of your albums, is there a certain process that you go through when you create a new album or a new piece? Do you sit down knowing what you're going to create, or is it more of just a letting things sort of flow to you? Well, 
it works both ways. Uh, sometimes I have a very clear idea of what I want to do, and other times I just let the spirit guide me. And uh, sometimes it's a combination of the two. You know, it's a give and take. You may start out with one idea and then realize it's not working too well, and maybe you modify it, try something else. So there's a lot of experimentation in the studio, that's for sure. At what point did you begin working with other artists in your studio? Well, I usually bring them in towards the latter part of the project. By the time anybody hears the track to play on it, there's usually been quite a few months of preparation and fine-tuning and adjusting and planning about what's going to happen where. So it's pretty, pretty well-structured by the time somebody comes in to play on my tracks. I, I, I don't usually like to just uh, fool around with people, as it were, in the studio. Right. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. It works for some people, but for me, I, that's not the way I like to do it. album of course is called gnosis let's talk about that for a little bit um where'd you come up with the title and, and what are you attempting to bring to the listener with this project well gnosis is the uh ancient greek root word of knowledge and knowing and you find it in the word uh, hypnosis and of course knowledge knowing as we just said and it began with uh, my work with a, a cantor a greek orthodox cantor who really moved me with his solo performances and so we decided that it would be it would be very exciting to put his uh, ancient chanting over my ambient new age background so that's how the project began and what i tried to do with gnosis was to bring the feeling of of the ancient days of what you could say maybe the beginning of the Christian era. If you can imagine what the musical mood might be at that time, right. say 2,000 years ago. So there's a lot of Middle Eastern instruments and musicians, a lot of Indian instruments and musicians that I bring on this. I have eight guest musicians. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot for me. That's, that's, I think that's the most I've ever done, so I'm really happy about that. I have uh, Rafiq Khan on Sarangi. He's from India. He's a seventh generation Sarangi player. Imagine that, seven generations playing one instrument. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the seventh guy, which is really cool. That's and, dedication. Yeah, that's some dedication. He's a lovely fellow, and he played his heart out on this album. It's just amazing what he did. And then there's uh, Brahim Fribgani, who plays Oud. Now, he's from Morocco, and also another fabulous player. We have uh, Steve Gorn, of course, is very well-known on the Bensuri flute. He just played on Paul Simon's latest album. And we have Rowan Kamani from New York, uh, playing tabla and percussion. And, of course, the famous Kevin Brahini Fortune is bringing his uh, EWI, his electronic wind instrument. And he's an old friend from the Hearts of Space days. And uh, I think one of the one of the greatest ambient new age musicians ever at least to date i think he's just uh, an amazing musician and uh, he's a great fellow too he does a lot of healing work in northern california now oh interesting then we have um the cantor is antonios paravalos he's won quite a few awards for his chanting in the northeast of the u.s he's been chanting for about 40 years so he's got the hang of it at this point <laughs> <laughs> that's right 
And then we have uh, two dear friends, uh, Steve Waite and Christine Yandel. Steve's doing 12-string guitars and process guitars, and Christine's doing all those beautiful female vocals, the Oz, uh, the angelic uh, female clusters. So that's that's the crew. It's a, it's a great group of musicians. It would be uh, wonderful to have them all together live. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. I, I mean, were, were any of them in the studio with you, or did, did you all work on the tracks across the country, or how did that work? Oh, no, they were actually all in the studio with the exception of Kevin okay. Berhini, who uh, we did him in California and did that by mail. But everyone else uh, came to the studio and we did the hardcore uh, three, four hour session, you know, and then the two or three days of editing after that. <laughs> that's the way I work is I record a ton of stuff you know I record hours of let's say Oud and hours of Sarangi and hours of Tabla and then since I did that then I have to listen to it all and right. pick out all the best parts and put them in the best places and it's uh, it's quite a process but it lets you call the best of the best of the best you know it's a, it's a refining process so it's like making clarified butter or a fine wine you know you can really keep refining it until you're completely happy with it, which is to me what the studio is all about, or at least one of the strong points of the studio, you know, to be able to do that. Of course, you have to know when to stop, too, because you, <laughs> <laughs> you could obviously stay in there forever, which, you know, as Guy of Grace, I kept editing it for five years, and then I realized <laughs> that by the time I put it out, it won't be relevant anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. You could spend years and years on a CD, huh? And then your listeners are going, okay, come on, Paul. Yeah, right. It's funny. And then they go, well, we like that one you did in two weeks better. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's always eye-opening. Speaking of time frame, though, too, on, on Gnosis, how long from start to finish would you say that this one took you? Uh, this was uh, relatively fast. It took nine months. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I'm trying to keep it down. I figure if a woman can make a, a human baby in nine months, <laughs> I should be able to make an album in nine months. <laughs> so that's my new my new limitation, you know. That's great. They can bring bring out a whole new life that's, you know, perfect and complete. and So I should be able to complete an album in the same time. artists that have had a major influence on you during your career? Well, there are. When I was a teenager, I, I went to see John McLaughlin and the Mahavishnu Orchestra when I was about 15. Hmm. And my friend that was with me, it was a blank to me, but he says, I just ran to the front of the stage and fell down before him like he was a god. And, and he couldn't tear me away. <laughs> it's like I went into another world, like a trance. He didn't know where I went. And I, I remember going to the concert, but I don't remember anything else. <laughs> that really changed my whole life. And I saw him and that the devotion and the passion that he was bringing through his instrument and his whole personality and the power of it was just wonderful. I became a disciple of Sri Chinmoy uh, shortly thereafter. That wow. experience, it was so moving. But you know, that's the beauty of music. You know, when I get a letter from a, a young kid, 14 or something, he writes that my music really touched him. It makes it worth it, you know? Not, not from an ego point of view, but you think, well, it's worthwhile what we're doing. We're sharing something that's meaningful to other people and that makes it worth doing and to me that's what it's all about sharing a part of yourself yes yeah, pa passing on 
that joy and wisdom and grace and all the all the wonderful qualities that we study in the arts and we transmit in the art forms. I'll tell you, it definitely does come across in your music because uh, literally I can put on any of the albums that I own by you and be totally absorbed. Uh, too many artists, I think, just think that they can turn on their machines and computers and crank something out and it, it doesn't work that way. To me, the electronics is just another instrument. So I have to study it, I have to work at it, I have to struggle with it, just like I would struggle with a cello or a violin or a piano, you know, to, to bring out some true beauty and uh, artistic grace. You can't just push a button and think that's enough. You really have to work with it. You have to go through the artistic process, you know. But it's a wonderful instrument. It's what's so wonderful to combine the acoustic sounds and the electronic sounds. You know, maybe I'll have 20, 30 layers of uh, keyboards and then I'll bring in six, seven layers of acoustic instruments and maybe I've got 30 layers of vocals. And now, to me, this is getting really interesting. Right. Because I can't tell anymore where the voice lets off and the keyboard begins and here where is the guitar ringing through the reverb and then where does that end and where you know it really becomes a, a collage and that's a big part of what I do is sound design I spend a lot of time working with effects and placements and equalizations to create new hybrids of sound so it's no longer oh you know well that's just a tambour or there's the drum you know it, I deliberately blur the edges to me it's just a giant endless orchestra which is great because you know in the regular orchestra there are some limitations you know the oboes sound like oboes and basses like basses and so there's definitely some limitations there but in this in the modern studio it's pretty much anything you can imagine you can do you know if you want to take the sound of a gong and blend it with a cello you can do that it's really <laughs> great fun some of these tools we have are just fabulous on Gnosis there's a place where I put the canter through this uh, vocoder type of program so when he starts out you know you hear the normal chanting then his voice is transformed into an electronic instrument as he's singing you can wow. actually hear him transmute and morph into this electronic choir and then a uh, bigger choir comes in but then one cello comes in and plays a solo just one acoustic cello over <laughs> all this crazy complexity of layers and electronics and so that's great yeah it's fun that's, that's the, I think, one of the places I play cello on the album. I bought a cello about three years ago, and I've been playing it a lot in the studio, so I don't play the bass violin as much with the bow. I've been using the cello because it's, you know, it's a higher range, and it, it works better as a melodic in instrument. the CDs and, and projects you've worked on over the years, do you have a favorite? Well, I am very partial to Sky of Grace. There's a blessed compassion in it. I don't know, there just seems to be a lot of divine love in that album, I think, because it came in a really difficult period of my life, and uh, I put down some 200 voice choirs on Sky of Grace and uh, did some things I've never done before, and I, I think it's very effective. I have one piece playing on MySpace from uh, Sky of Grace. It's called Angel's Breath, and it's just this 200 voice choir. There's no other instruments, so it's just all vocals. It's very Enya-esque but 
not really Celtic, you know. It's Enyesque, but it's more of a classical style. So like a Barber Adagio type of a style with voices, that kind of a thing. And I get a lot of responses from that from people all over the world. It's just amazing, you know. They're just transfixed by it. Let me ask you a weird question, maybe it would be, but if we were to walk into your living room and you're, you're relaxing and you're not listening to your own music, <laughs> what would we find you, you know, in your music player with? Well, I still listen to a decent amount of classical stuff, Rachmaninoff, uh, Vespers. I like to listen to some choral music, some of the orchestral works. I listen to Jeff Pierce. I listen to, you know, a lot of different things, but when I'm in a working on a project, I try not to listen to too much stuff because uh, I, I don't want to be comparing to them or too influenced by them. So I don't really listen to that much around the house. Maybe in the car when I'm driving, I'll put on the classical station and see what's on there. You know, because there's so much stuff out there. There's a lot of great stuff that you could maybe think that, uh, oh, maybe I need to do more like that, you know, or maybe I need to do this. But it's important to stay clear about your own voice, you know, and keep your own style growing. Of course, you don't want to, you know, live under a rock or anything. That wouldn't be good either. But (laughs) I would say, you know, I'll listen to, I'll put echoes on, I'll put what shows come on around here occasionally. Now, of course, we're promoting Gnosis here, and and I'm sure you'll be doing that for a bit, but uh, would you like to share any plans for upcoming projects or or CDs that you may have in the works? Oh, sure. I'd be glad to. Uh, In January, February, we're uh, releasing a yoga album. It's uh, a disciple of Osho. It's the old Rajneesh uh, yoga, yogi uh, guru. It's a very simple album in that it's basically one beat that goes on for 65 minutes with these Om chantings that weave in and out. It's very simple, but it really works because (laughs) it's trancey, but it's uplifting and it keeps enough interest going. And it's designed specifically for yoga practice and for massage and for spa. We've been testing it out with different people. We tested it with some yoga teachers, some massage therapists, and getting good good response from it. So it's very different than a lot of my albums, which are very musical and there's a lot of complexity and a lot of uh, audio interest, but this is more of a I call it a functional album. I mean, it's 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 nice to listen to. I, it's funny. I've been listening to it a lot myself, just trying to kind of testing it out. You know, I'll put it on and leave it leave it play for 24 hours. I'll let it play overnight, very softly, and just see what it how it works. You know. And is it working for you? Yeah, it's really it's, it's really working. So I'm not sick of it yet. So <laughs> I've listened to it for about three weeks in a row, and I'm still not sick of it. So I think we've got something. <laughs> it sounds interesting i can't wait to hear that one yeah you know it's uh, it's it's different you you can play just five minutes of it uh and can enjoy it or you can play it while you're working in the office or you could do yoga to it it's really an interesting little album very different from anything i've done before so i'm excited about that great well we'll definitely yeah. look forward to that in the early part of next year right oh definitely yeah before we wrap up i do want to tell everybody where they can purchase your music and that's roundskymusic.com right yeah that's and, the uh, direct connection all of your cds are are on that website beautiful site and there's some great uh, music samples as well in addition to your myspace page and then there's all the download sites if people like to do downloads they can go to itunes or any of the 50 or 60 most popular uh, download sites have my music 
course, it's also on CD Baby, it's on Amazon, and uh, the album Maya is on a special at Borders right now. Maya rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, that's the one that I did in two weeks. So Is it really? See, it's yeah, one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll send you Sky of Grace, took five years, you'll be like, well, it's okay, but I like Maya better. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's funny. Paul, well, listen, it's been an honor and a pleasure being able to talk with you today. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with me. And uh, Oh, it's my pleasure, and, and I thank you very much for your support and the work you're doing with Mystic Soundscapes. It's a beautiful station. Thank you. Lovely website, and I can't thank you enough for broadcasting the music because that's what it's all about. Here are the first two tracks from the new CD Gnosis by Paul Abgerinos. They weave well into each other, so we present them both here for your enjoyment, pure in heart, and follow your bliss. Thank you. 
Tarinos, the new CD Gnosis, now available on roundskymusic.com. Listen for tracks from the album on Mystic Soundscapes Internet Radio. New tracks from Australis, the return of Bella Sonis, and a DVD from Andreas Vollenweider. It's all up right now in the music. Australis has released two new tracks in anticipation of his new project release. The tracks are Promises of Light and Ephemerich. Hear clips on the website at australiscanticum.com. The debut release from Bella Sonis, Enamored, has been out of print for several years and very hard to find, but Neurodisc Records has re-released the CD. It's modern electronic ambient music, Spanish urban rhythms and sensual guitars from Bluestone's Robert Smith and guitarist Angel Suarez. Look for the release at neurodisc.com. Andreas Vollenweider's new DVD is now available. The Musical Journeys contains four hours of concert and documentary footage filmed all around the world over the past 25 years. Check out more details on that at vollenweider.com. That's what's happening in the music. Get the latest news from the world of contemporary instrumental music on our website at mysticsoundscapes.com music. We're kicking off a new feature in the show today, folks. We're going to start featuring other podcasts and radio shows that are centered around new age and instrumental music. There's a great variety and a great selection of shows and podcasts out there. And a lot of the people who run these shows, as I do, have as our main goal to get this music listened to more in the mainstream. And we're kicking off today with one of my favorite podcasts, the Audio Syncrasy Podcast, run by Jamie Osborne. Jamie, thanks for being with me today, man. Thanks for having me, Pete. I appreciate you being on the phone. Listen, your show uh, rocks number one. One, I got to tell you, I'm a big fan. I'm an avid listener, and I think you're doing a wonderful thing with it. And I wanted to find out uh, a little bit about your your background and uh, how you came up with the idea for the show and and where you're going. Well, um, kind of a fun question, because I've been doing radio for about 15, 16 years. I've been working with the college radio station in El Paso, KTEP, the public radio station there, for well, pretty much since I'd been in college, and um, they had asked me to come back and do an arts program, and I did that for five years, and I was happy with it, but it got to a point where it was becoming a little more time-consuming on my daily life, a little more so than I would have preferred, so I didn't want to give up my uh, spot at the station, but I didn't want to keep doing the show because I thought some, you know, brighter talent would make that show better, so (laughs) I uh, offered to do the Sunday night shift. And um, I started doing that shift just over 10 years ago, and I've been doing it ever since. That's been a lot of fun. Obviously, started with jazz, because that's what we did during the shift. But about eight years ago or so, they reconfigured the lineup to put in uh, New Dimensions, Hearts of Space, some shows that maybe some of the listeners are familiar with. And they said, well, why don't you take this music that you've been interested in and do something with it? And I was very glad to do that. I've been bugging the station management, who are good friends of mine for many years, you know, hey, let me do this New Age music show. And it took them about two years to come around, but they finally did. And um, Audio Syncrasy was born in October of 99, been going strong ever since. Now, you've added the podcast kind of as a supplement to the show, is that correct? That's exactly right. Now, the podcast is not identical to the show, but the podcast was started in November of last year, so we're coming up on our first anniversary of doing that. And I'll be honest, Pete, one of the things about doing the podcast is just, frankly, being a little bit selfish. Um, My wife and I are contemplating moving 
moving from El Paso in the uh, fairly near future. And, you know, the possibilities are very strong that uh, where we move to might not have a radio station that has a fit for a new age program like mine. So to be very honest, I created the podcast so that I wouldn't drop out of the loop because this music is very important to me. I'm very passionate about it. I'm a big believer in helping out independent artists find uh, what I call independent ears. And, you know, that's something that's really important to me. And I didn't want to lose that connection. So I started the podcast, but, uh, you know, some things have happened in the interim that uh, I've been very pleased with. The ratings for my show are very good. And so even after I move, we may still continue to do the show. Who knows? So it's my hope that uh, I'll stay plugged in in one form or another. Tell me the difference between your radio show and the podcast. Is it different music, uh, different artists? That's a great question. It's actually some of the same, some of the different. Now, obviously, because of the radio station and the podcasting licensing restrictions, I can't play everything on the podcast podcast that I play on the radio show because the radio show covers our licensing fees. Now on the podcast, I would be liable for those fees if I didn't have permission from the artists. So what I do on the podcast is that I'll only play music from independents who control their own music and control their own masters, and then they turn around and also give me permission to play their music on the podcast. And for every artist who's participating, and I have over 50 now, each of those artists has given me express permission to play their music on the podcast, and uh, that's been a great thing for me. You know, to me, I look at that as as a token of trust. They're trusting me with their music, and so it's incumbent upon me to then turn it around and try and get that podcast into as many ears and hopefully sell as many discs as I can. Exactly. And that's what I do. You know, it's unfortunate that we all don't have a few extra thousands sitting around in our pockets so we can play <laughs> anything we want, you know. But I think sure. you've done, you know, having 50 artists under your belt there who are willing to share their music is fantastic. And I think sometimes when you're dealing with a record label, it can be a little more difficult uh, getting things going. You're right. You're absolutely right. There are a couple of labels who are kind of seeing the writing on the wall and um, making all of their artists podcast friendly. Uh, Magnatune is a really good example of that. Right. But by and large, it's these independent artists who are fighting the fight to get their music heard. You know, it's so hard for an artist like Peter Jansen or Jamie Bonk to get radio play, but these guys are great musicians and they frankly deserve all the listening they can get. When people hear it, they love it. The problem is you've got to fight so hard to get on the air if you're one of those artists. And you know, that's what I'm trying to do is help get them on the air. For the listeners who may have not heard your show, fire off just a few more artists that they can plan on hearing on your Audio Secrecy show. Oh, my goodness. Well, I <laughs> tend to focus on my program more on the acoustic side of the uh, dial. You know, there's so many subgenres that uh, people know about that have listened to a lot of this music. I tend to focus on the solo piano and solo guitar. As such, I play a lot of Brian Crane, um, Brian Kelly. I love, love Love, love the music of Michael Hollis, H-A-L-A-A-S. Okay. Oh, great stuff from him. I uh, have a lot of guitarists I'll play, Jamie Bonk. I'm loving Art Turner lately. And, you know, a lot, a lot of the big names that people know as well, you know, all the Wyndham Hill artists. There's some uh, independent musicians from Great Britain that I'll play. There's an electronic duo performs under the name of Soundition that uh, I work with very closely. And, you know, there's just so many that... To begin rattling off names, I know I'm going to miss too many of them, but uh, there's just 
just such great, great music out there. If you visit my website at radio.jmeo.com, you'll see the list of all the performing artists that uh, work with me on the podcast. And those are the ones I really try and, and play on the radio show as much as I can, too. Just because, you know, like I said before, they, they're not getting enough time, and this is music that deserves to be heard. Exactly. Now, do you have any ideas or plans for other features or expansion of the show in the future that you were willing to share? One of the things that I like to do at the end of every year is I have a best of show, and I'm very proud of that show. And I always air it on the first show of the new year, and that always features the best CDs, in my very subjective opinion, <laughs> of uh, the ones I've received this year. So that's always a fun show to put together because, you know, some of the shows, when we get these hundreds and hundreds of discs every week or every year, there's a few that just stand out and deserve to be heard and, and singled out as the best music of the year. So I like to do that. I also have a thing that I call the Essential Idiosyncrasy Collection. It's a collection of CDs that basically you can consider those that you wouldn't want to leave a trip to a desert island without. You know, these are the essential ones that anybody ought to have to their collection. It's much smaller and, again, very subjective, but uh, CDs that I think absolutely ought not to be left behind. Um, Penguin Cafe Orchestra, Jamie Bonk, um, I've got a bunch of them. I, I have to redo my website that contains all that stuff, but uh, there's about 20 CDs in that collection so far. All right, Jamie, now where can people go to find your show? Now, you did mention the website, radio.jamieo.com. That's J-A-M-E-Y-O.com. That's correct. There you'll find links to um, the program to download. The, the podcast is downloadable from the iTunes Music Store. There's a subscribe button, but there's no cost. Um, you need an inter a big internet connection because they're fairly hefty files. Right. But uh, those files are free. If people are interested in listening to the live program, it happens every week at uh, 11 o'clock p.m. on Sunday nights, Mountain Time. That's minus 7 UTC. And uh, we stream the show live on ktep.org, but we don't archive that show. So the only way to listen to it at any other time would be to download the podcast. Okay. And also on iTunes, you are doing a nice thing with it. You also have an enhanced podcast. Can you explain what that is? The Audiosyncrasy podcast is available in what I like to describe as two flavors. One is just the regular MP3 file that you download and listen to. But the other is the exact same thing. However, it has embedded cover art. So each of the tracks I play has the cover art to the track plus a link to the artist's website embedded into it. Most of my listeners download the podcast and listen to it in iTunes anyway. So if you're listening to it in iTunes, maybe you should consider switching to the enhanced feed because the enhanced feed lets you see not only the um, artist's cover work, which is usually very, very beautiful, but also will give you a clickable link right to the artist's website and you don't lose anything. Um, you know, you get the same show. There's no difference in, in the content. It's just that one has the artwork and one doesn't. There's a kind of like a chapter menu up at the top. So when you click it, you can basically jump and listen to tracks that you like more than others by just picking them from the menu. So it kind of makes it a little easier to navigate through the shows because each one is about 45 to 50 minutes long. And uh, that helps you kind of jump around to find your favorite tracks. That's great. Well, man, Jamie, you've got just a, a fantastic show, the Audio Syncrasy Podcast, folks. If you you haven't listened to this thing you've got to check it out it's radio.jamieo.com jamie thanks so much for taking the time to uh, talk with me about it today and i wish you a lot of luck and success with it in the future Peter, i appreciate it and uh thanks for having me on escapes and uh, mystic radio 
That's Escape's number 14 for Wednesday, September 13th, 2006. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you have any comments or suggestions on how we can improve the show for you, please let us know by phone at 206-600-6282 or by email at podcast at mysticsoundscapes.com. Our next show airs in a few weeks, and I hope you'll be there for it. Thanks for listening. For Escape's, I'm Pete Havey. Escape's.